everyone and welcome to the kickabout episode number 13 when we have dan and fran with us again hello so we are still at home um but the good news is that we won't be at home for much longer because the government has announced that we will not be in uh this strict lockdown after the 2nd of december we can keep our fingers crossed we can keep our fingers crossed that we're going to go into tier one which means we will be able to see each other and we can get back to doing our normal recordings but we'll have to just wait and find out what uh, what tier our area is going to be in um but interestingly guys the um the fans are back in town how exciting Hopefully. i mean this is this is this is huge for uh, for football fans i mean this is something that other countries have have done well before we have um and finally up to four thousand in tier one and two thousand in tier two i think it is mm. um i can be allowed back in so we won't have to deal with you know the the quiet staged sounds that we currently hear i feel oh. like i'm kind of used to it now then <laughs> <laughs> is it going to be weird going back to normality is that what you're saying i wonder if it'll be do you reckon it'll be it's still be loud is it just four thousand um i mean because like two thousand people in Wembley Stadium is not a lot. No, not yeah. I mean, if if it was like a lower league ground where their capacity is only like two or four thousand or whatever, yeah. Then you've heard the noise sometimes. It can still be pretty pretty noisy, and they can make an atmosphere. But yeah, in a big stadium, I don't know whether the the noise will be lost in the in the sort of. Do you think they'll still play the crap like the fake noise? <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe though, maybe for the first couple of games they won't to sort of see what the noise is like. Um, and there's a good chance that not every ground is going to allow fans in as well. If there's some areas of the country that are yeah, going to still sure. be in the the heavier tiers, well, they might do um, what they're, they're doing at the moment, where like Sky Sports main event plays with the crowd noise, and then you can obviously have it without the crowd noise. They might still carry on doing that. Mm. Yeah, that's true. They might do that, um, but nonetheless, it's it's massive news for uh, for football fans who have been desperate to get back into the uh, to the grounds for a long time now. So that's it's yeah. much uh, a much welcomed positive uh, piece of news. Uh, right, uh, Dan, why don't you give us this week's stat? Yep. So uh, I've gone for the Leicester game for this one, and uh, <laughs> Johnny Evans' own goal for Leicester was his sixth in the Premier League. Only three other players have scored more own goals in the competition's history. Can you name them? I reckon I can name one. I uh, reckon I know who that is as well. Yeah, I reckon I can name one. Um, so is this, did you say Premier League? Premier League, yeah. So we're going back to 92. Okay. Yeah. I reckon I can name one. I'm not sure about the other two, but uh, we'll, we'll have a crack at that later. So uh, tonight's episode, we're going to split the podcast in half, as we always do with our break in the middle. But the first half is going to be focused on the top of the table stuff, as there were lots of uh, important games going on. And then the second half, we're going to focus on the uh, the battle to stay in the league, um, with all the teams fighting out at the bottom. So let's get straight to it then. The, the big one of the weekend. Uh, all hail Jose Mourinho, Spurs against City. What a beautiful game it was. Just want to say I called it last week saying Tottenham would beat City. You did, yeah. Did you? Okay. Yeah. 
Chris is like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, I mean, tactical masterclass from from Jose, and it, it's it was classic Jose, really. Sit back, soak up the pressure, and and be deadly on the break. He's got the players to do it, though, isn't he? With Son and Kane, I mean, they're unstoppable at the moment. Yeah, um, Fran. I, I mean, we've. We've spoken about Jose before. Um, obviously, Dan, you've had experience of supporting a team with Jose at the helm. <coughs> Jose's getting an awful lot of praise for the, for this performance in particular and the fact that Spurs are in the upper reaches of the Premier League now. Are we in danger of a little bit of double standards here? Mm, yeah, I mean, I was not his biggest fan. Um, but I think but a lot of people feel like that, don't they? Like You didn't really like him, did you? But he did do well for your team. Yeah, I mean, he's done better for us than Ollie's done. Um, well, yeah. But I just, I didn't. <laughs> David Moyes like... has almost done better. Ollie Gunnar has done. Uh, true. I just didn't like the the style of football, to be honest. Like for me, I I like the way like Liverpool, and Man City play. Um, it's very like risky attacking football. Whereas Jose is very much. I don't want to say safe because I wouldn't say it was safe. But, but I think he is kind of doing that now with Tottenham because he has the players. Well, so. no, but he's always done that. He's he's not changed style. No, no, I, was, I meant he's like more attacking now with Tottenham. Well, no, I think he's just got the attack. Yeah. Very defensive manager because you could see him defending against City, but mm. the difference is they've got the players going forward to damage other teams. Make it happen. Yeah, I feel like... <laughs> I, 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 I'm a bit with Fran here. I do kind of feel like Jose has adjusted it slightly because if you look at some of the games they've played, they have won by a lot of goals and, you know, one or two of them against teams that um, may not have come onto them in the same way that a team like City would. Um, and, you know, we long thought that Jose is a bit of a dinosaur, but given the proficiency of this performance and that the way that the pundits are, are falling in, do we do we think that, at the end of the day, this is football. There are there are multiple ways to to skin a cat, as the saying goes. Um, Guardiola's football is is so pleasing on the eye, and it has been for all his career that everyone kind of jumped on the bandwagon and was like, "Oh my god, this this is this is how it has to be done. This is the way football now has to be played." But it's not the only way, right? I mean, you know, mm -hmm. Sam Allardyce has made a career out of it. Um, there are other football managers that have had success doing it as well. I mean, look at um, Diego Simeone at Atletico Madrid. Um, he's one of the most tactically strict managers, probably probably even worse than Mourinho. And yet he's always um, given plenty of praise for the way he's transformed Atletico Madrid into a, a, a contender in Spain. Well, what have they won? Uh, won the Champions League, didn't they? Did they not? Uh, they won La Liga. I don't know if they actually did win the Champions League. They certainly got to the final. Look, a couple of times. just because Mourinho prefers <laughs> no, Spurs I, I, to United, no, let's just back care. down. Okay. <laughs> I do um, enjoy different styles of football. It would be boring if everyone had the same style of football. So I'm not, I just personally don't like that style of football. I'm not saying that everybody should hate it. Just but I think personally watching I, it, I don't enjoy it. I think Chris and I are saying that he's changed his way of managing or his football. I, I mean, I, time, time will tell because he, he did this at United as well. The, the, the season when he was at United, I think they won their first like three or four games, four nil on the spin. Well, the, and then it reverted to type again. Our second season, we won the Europa League and I believe the FA Cup or the League Cup. So he always shields. Was it, it was a treble. Has a great, huh? It was a treble. He, he, he always counts the Community Shield as a trophy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But we always win, he always wins, you know, trophies in his second season. And this is his second season, and he is going to be really good. And then next season, he'll be at a different club. <laughs> it'll be on the uh the dole queue and the job line again <laughs> so anyway let's get to the game itself um city dominated the early periods as as they ended up sort of actually dominating the ball across the the uh the game but then just that that defensive weakness again which has really said once or twice a lovely through ball from uh and who seems like a rejuvenated player this season um Diaz and Laporte didn't cover themselves in glory, but certainly Edison didn't either. Do you, do you agree with the general consensus that Edison was way too far off his line for this goal? Uh, yeah, I mean, for both, really, to be honest. He came, yeah, he, he almost did it a third time as well. Yeah, he, he, but I mean, that's that's the way, that's why Guardiola bought him, isn't it? Because that's the kind of play, he's almost like a centre-back rather than a goalkeeper, if that makes sense. Is he trying to be the uh, the Manuel Neuer of the Premier League? Yeah, that South Korea goal on his own But yeah, I mean, if, if you look at the goal itself, I mean, Edison obviously is a long way out of his um, from his goal. If he doesn't come out that far, if you look at uh, Cancelo, who gets so close to Son to blocking that shot. So if Edison's not there, Son is going to have a much harder time getting that shot away because he doesn't really connect with it that well. It's just that it goes through his legs. Mm. Um, so if if Edison is not there, I think that there is a reasonable chance that Son doesn't score there. Yeah, I mean, him rushing out sort of made Son's mind up for him. He had to take the shot. And I mean, Son doesn't miss at the moment. Certainly not when he's playing Man City, he doesn't. Yeah. yeah. I also think the way... I think Laporte was maybe told to man-mark Harry Kane because Harry Kane obviously drops into midfield quite a lot. And the port just seemed to follow him and left a massive gap in behind. Yeah. Um, and then as the game sort of went on, um, it was it, it started to fall into a bit of a familiar pattern with um the city having large portions of the ball, but not really doing a lot with it. And then uh, capped off by Lacelso scoring after about 30 odd seconds with his first touch <laughs> yeah. of the ball. Um one slightly sad point for Spurs is that Toby Alderweireld sounds like it could be a long-term groin injury. Um, which will be a real worry because he was he was awesome at the back, and even dare I say, Eric Dyer was very good as well. Mm. And that um, Joe Roden got a start, didn't he? Well, not a start, but an appearance. Mm. Yeah. Um, last week we had a comment when we did our listeners section uh, from uh, a certain Joe Morton who said that Ben Chilwell was the best left back in the league. Um, would you put Regulion in that category now? Because from what I saw, I was massively impressed with him yesterday. Yeah, I, I think he's really good. I mean, I don't know about saying best left back in the league. I mean, we're only like eight games in. I think it's a bit early to start saying he's the best left back in the league. But no, no, no. But I think he's, I wouldn't, no, I, I don't think he's there yet. But I think he's, he's probably in the conversation, is he not? I think, you know, if he keeps up these performances all season, then I definitely agree. Yeah. Um, Laporte had a goal chalk, so City did have the ball in the net. Laporte's goal was chalked off for a handball from uh, Gabriel Jesus. Um, what do we think on this one? There's been a lot of mixed opinions on this as to whether this is a handball or not. I mean, obviously it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's ask the non-Tottenham fan here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, we have we have the same discussions every week, don't we? Yes. I just I don't like the handball rule as it is to be honest. I, th- 
I, I don't know. I think it's, I want to say it's too black and white, but I don't know if it's black and white enough. No, I, I mean, it's, it's strange because if we go back to sort of the older handball rule, I think this one is ruled out and there's no real argument to it. But I think with with these new rules, as you say, it's clouded it so much now that we're we're now trying to analyze right exactly where on his arm has as, as that hit. Because mm. um, it's it's actually quite difficult to tell. On one angle, it sort of looks like it's hit um, almost like his elbow, almost his lower bicep, upper forearm. And then another angle it actually looks like it's hit him higher up. So it's it's really difficult to see. Um, but... <sighs> I don't know. It's one of those ones where I'm maybe in my mind, I'm still running off the old rules, but I look at that and I, I say handball when I look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the city's problems continue. That's 13th in the league. Now, no goals in this game. We talked last week about their issues in front of goal. And for me, this game spoke volumes to those issues in front of goal. When most of their clear chances that I can remember from watching the game, they were all from set pieces. They didn't really create anything from open play. No. I mean, you know it's bad when they're below us in the table. <laughs> is, that, is that what it's become now, that Man United are a, <laughs> a, a measuring stick for how bad a team is? Yeah. We're we're, selling, we're getting an open top bus in at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> what, for the one deal went over West Brom? <laughs> Just for being uh, um, higher up in the league than City for a week. So, I mean, what is missing from, from City? Is it is Goals. it a confidence thing? Is it uh is it tactically? Does does Guardiola need to change things up tactically a little bit? I think I think as a striker, I think it's as simple as a striker. But I think that's what like I don't know, that's what he said though after the match when they were talking to Pep. He literally just said goals. We're just not getting enough yeah, goals because Aguero's obviously keeps getting injured, and I just don't. I think Gabriel is is a good player, but it's hard when you've <laughs> prolific goal scorer like Aguero to then try and replace that and i just don't think they've replaced that with gabriel jesus yeah aguero i think is is a better striker in these types of games where they're not like they're not going to have unbelievable amounts of space inside the box it's going to be very compact teams are going to defend deep you are going to have to effectively feed off scraps and i feel like aguero is so much better at doing that than jesus is but as you say aguero is just not around at the moment so he's just he's just one of those players that when you know no matter how the game is going even if you're getting two percent possession he always seems to manage to find an opportunity to score a goal yeah whereas i feel like gabriel jesus needs the team to be absolutely smashing the game to get a goal Mm. it's a lovely little segue you give me about possession because if you look at the stats it was the, the an uninitiated or somebody who didn't watch the game would think that this was one of the most one-sided games ever and that Spurs had completely stolen this because it was 66% possession to uh, City, 22 shots to City to Spurs is four, uh, 89% pass completion to Spurs is 73, 10 corners to Spurs zero. I mean, it, it's not like City didn't create uh, chances. Maybe it was just the clear chances that that they're really not. Maybe it's, I, I don't know what they're classing as some of these shots. I mean, the set piece headers were a couple, maybe these long-range block shots all the time. Um, but yeah, I just I don't see where these goals are coming from 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 City. And I don't know if Aguero is the answer. No, I I, I think Aguero. I hate to say it, but I think he might be done at City now, especially if he's gonna these injuries are gonna sort of be a recurring issue. They might have to sort of have a look at getting a another striker in in January. I mean, they obviously were prepared to go for Messi in the summer. I don't think that Messi solves this problem either. Um, 
do they go should they break the bank and go and get um, Erling Haaland from Dortmund <laughs> yeah I mean it it depends I don't know how long has he been there he's only been there as one season um yes I think this is his second season isn't it so yeah a season yeah. a bit I don't know if one Dortmund would let him go just yet. I feel like Haaland's agent would maybe wait for a Real Madrid or a Barcelona to come in. You don't think he'd fancy playing for his dad's club and under someone like Pep? Yeah. Um, the thing is, though, City, you know, they're not, they don't do very well in the Champions League, do they? They're not doing very well in the Premier League at the moment. Mm. I feel like Barcelona and Real Madrid would be a much more uh, interesting move for him than Man City but you know I'm not saying that it couldn't happen because it definitely could yeah I mean Barcelona are in a bit of a shit show themselves right now anyway um, in the Liga they're, I think they're 10th in the league at the moment or something stupid mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah it, it's interesting because we spoke just before we came on it on on, on air actually or, or recording that Haaland's agent most people seem to believe that he went to Dortmund because he wanted that one payday and then he knows that a second big payday is extremely likely to happen in the not too distant future so if the agent is motivated by purely money which let's be honest majority of them probably are if City come waving the biggest check um, that might be enough to to make him move anyway yeah very true um, so uh, it's not anyway, like City to uh, spend a lot of money though on a transfer. No, absolutely not. You know they're they're usually very reserved for that sort of thing. So uh, we we'll expect it. To be honest. <laughs> so yeah, Spurs march on. A huge game next against Chelsea. Fran, how do you see that one panning out against Chelsea? Well, <laughs> um, I didn't. Well, I don't know. I I don't. I'm a bit. What's the word? Like not modest. I don't know what it is. But I'm always like they'll never win. So against City, I was like, no, no, they'll lose it. Negative, um, I think is the word you're looking for. <laughs> yes, I didn't want to say that word, thanks, Chris, but there we go. Um, no, I mean, I hope they win it. Um, one, because of Joe Morton's comments next week will be horrendous if they lose it. Um, and two, good for morale, because they've then got Arsenal, Liverpool, Leicester. <laughs> Yes, some tough games for sure on the horizon. It's a so, big old month for Spurs compared to like Liverpool and Chelsea, who have got relatively easier games than that. Yeah, so it, it, I mean, if Spurs can get through those games and pick up, you know, more wins than losses and still be in the in the in the hunt, um, then uh, yeah, I think we're we're on for a good season here. So uh, talking of Chelsea. Let's let's talk about their game against Newcastle. Their rich vein of form, both in front of goal and preventing goals, key mm. as well, uh, continued as they brushed aside Newcastle, which was it was a fairly routine win in the end, wasn't it? A two 0 win. Yeah. yeah, all their players starting to gel together now. Um, starting to see them play as a real team. Yeah, it's nice. It's an important milestone for Chelsea under Lampard as well. That even if it was only uh, very briefly, they did top the table. And you would say at the moment that Chelsea, are, yeah, much like Spurs, are probably... Chelsea and Spurs are looking the most likely at the moment to run Liverpool close for the for the league title this year. Yeah, I yeah. would agree. Yeah, looking at it. And um, Mendy has kept seven clean sheets so far. Yeah, um, you start. I tell you, you've stolen my thunder there. Oh, sorry, you? I didn't. I was looking There's down. I didn't see it. There's a whole section on it later. My <laughs> God, I was looking for it. I didn't want to mention it, and I've just seen it down the bottom. Ruined it. <laughs> sorry, but anyway, on that point, Mendy does have uh, seven in nine in all competitions, four in five, four in his last five for 
uh, for Chelsea. We did mention actually about how big a signing he has been. Um, Chelsea were never likely to compete for major honours with Kepa in goal. So would let's just say for argument's sake that Chelsea do go on and win the league this season. Will they look back at Mendy as being the pivotal signing to make that happen? One of. Yeah, I um, think it's, it's easy to say that. I think it's definitely, you would definitely say one of, especially with like the likes of Zayek. Um, the way he's been playing, obviously he's had like three man of matches in a row or something like that. So you could say that's another player that's like a pivotal, a pivotal move. But yeah, I would definitely say Mendy was up there as one of the most influential signings. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the game itself, Newcastle just never really got going and didn't put up a particular fight. And Chelsea, in truth, could have, could and probably should have won this game by a lot more. Mm. They had some very good chances. Timo Werner looking extremely lively again, uh, a bit wasteful at times. But he did lay on Tammy Abraham's goal, who's now, um, uh, sorry, Werner's now been involved in 11 goals in his last 10 games for Chelsea, um, eight goals and three assists. But I, I'm really pleased that Abraham is still playing under Lampard. Mm. Yeah, when uh, all the signings came in, it looked like Abraham's time was probably up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would it would have been very easy to relegate him to the fringes of the team, but um, Lampard it seemingly is is rotating the squad and and it's working for them at the moment. Especially with the amount of games that all these teams have got to play, and obviously Chelsea are in the um, Champions League, so I think it is good that he's he's rotating as much as he is. Yeah, and it's easy to to forget that Abraham last season, um, I know he went through a little bit of a barren spell in the second half of the season, but early on in the season, he was absolutely on fire for Chelsea. He was, you know, he was their main striker. He scored a, a good amount of goals last season, so he clearly does have quality to uh, to offer for Chelsea and potentially for England if he can find some form. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot of competition for the England spot, but... But, I mean, it's good. I think it will improve him as a player fighting against the likes of Timo Werner and stuff. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, aside from a a venomous long-range effort from long stuff that hit the bar, uh, Newcastle were were pretty abject and their defending was even worse at times. Um, It sounds like they may have lost uh, Lascelles to injury. Newcastle at the bottom of the main pack, so if you exclude the bottom five, um, although Brighton are beginning to creep towards that now. Should Newcastle fans be worried? Um, they do seem to be quite erratic. They're very capable of putting in good performances and then the next just being just ir- almost irrelevant to the game. It's almost like they were just letting the game pass them by. Yeah, it must be really depressing being a, a Newcastle fan at the moment. What, because of the highs and lows? Well, you know, with the, the potential takeover that didn't happen and stuff mm. like that and... Just, I mean, Newcastle definitely have the potential as a club to be fighting for like Europa League, but unfortunately, and with the the owner and everything, they're they're fighting relegation most of the time. But I think you have to remember that they were, yeah, agreed. But they were playing or did play a very good Chelsea side, and they didn't have Callum Wilson either. Yeah, I don't mean just in this game. No, I, I know. So far in the season. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Obviously, Chelsea you know, is not the game that Newcastle are looking at and thinking, you know, this is going to define our season or anything like that. But <laughs> yeah, but, you know, if you look at the just the way they approached the game, the way they applied themselves, I think that this game could have easily been four or five, if not more. Um, I think they went Berner. into it knowing they were going to lose, I think. 
Uh, yeah, I, ju- I just feel like there's a certain level that you expect from your teams. And in the games that I've seen Newcastle lose, it does seem to be that if they're they're either at the races or they are just so far off it, there doesn't appear to be anything in between. There doesn't appear to be a, um, uh, how do I put this, like a middle-of-the-road performance, like a, like a Burnley of old. You know, yeah. they won't ever play particularly well, but they'll work hard. They'll grind out a result here and there. Whereas with Newcastle, they've either got to be great and score some really easy on-the-eye goals with the likes of St. Maximan and Cam Wilson, or they're going to roll over and just let you do whatever the, whatever you want to them. Mm. So and and they got Palace, uh, Villa, and West Brom next. Um, if they don't get good results from those, would you go as far as to say that maybe Brucey's job is on the line? Yeah, uh, I mean it's a shame they let um, oh, come Benitez go really because he was doing very well for them, but obviously he wanted a lot more put into the club, which didn't happen. Um, I feel like Steve Bruce is just a very safe manager anyway i don't i feel like if i was a newcastle fan i'd want someone that's going to push us up um and i I don't think bruce is that manager but i also think that you're probably not going to get relegated with bruce so yeah yeah you're right he is a safe appointment he he wasn't a popular appointment that's for damn sure um he, he was there were calls for him to be sacked within weeks of him starting um yeah, as you say, he has steadied the ship to a point. They brought in some some good players and made a couple of good signings. Um, but do you think that perhaps with the, the takeover looming and there's been so much talk of takeover over the last few years, do you think they they brought Bruce in to make sure the club doesn't get relegated, almost like an Allardyce-type uh, manager, knowing that if the takeover goes through, then Bruce is likely to get replaced anyway? Well, there were a lot of rumours that when the um, Saudis or whatever it was that were were going to buy the club, there was a lot of rumours that they'd already found its replacement. Um, so I do think that if a new ownership came in, they probably would get a new manager. Yeah. I mean, there was even rumours that Mourinho was going there at one point, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But um, no, to, just to sum- summarise that game then, I mean, Chelsea um, looking extremely strong, not conceding goals, scoring plenty. Um, definitely in the hunt and Newcastle. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I've just got this feeling like of all the clubs that are not in that bottom five, if you like, I just got this feeling that if, if there's a club that's going to go on a really barren run and not pick up too many wins, it's going to be someone like Newcastle and they could easily yeah. get dragged into that, into that battle. Especially if they get, you know, one or two injuries to key players. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's move on then to uh, the other big game of the weekend, Liverpool against Leicester. Um, it's worth saying that before this game and also the Tottenham uh, City game, uh, both clubs paid their respects to uh, club and England legend Ray Clements, who um, sadly passed away and Liverpool put on a, a cracking performance in his honour. Um, big statement here from Liverpool, wasn't it? Yeah, I was a bit disappointed with Leicester, to be honest. I was, I thought it was going to be a really even game, but, I mean, Liverpool absolutely smashed them. Do you think Leicester missed a trick here? I think so, yeah. I think Leicester should have really gone for it because they had a couple of youngsters on. They had that um, ended up putting that Williams on, and um, they started with Jones. I think they could have definitely gone for it. but They didn't do anything. No, they didn't really seem to get off the bus. Yeah, I mean, Rogers said after the game that um, he felt certainly in the first half they were way too passive. And he has said, though, that 
that approach has worked for them on occasions this year. Um, they've, you know, they've they've given up the ball against teams like uh, City, for example, when they beat them. Was it five two, whatever it was, in the end? Mm. Um, I mean, they even won the league by taking a similar approach to that a few years ago. So it's it's not uh, written on the wall that you're going to lose if you decide to give up possession and try and play on the break. But you have to have a level of energy about you. And Leicester just seemed, it's almost like they were tired after the international break. Yeah. And with, with Liverpool, they play a really high line. And I feel like Leicester having a player like Jamie Vardy, they could have really made use of that and they could have scored quite a lot of goals, but they just, they I don't think he ever got the ball. No, I, I, well, no, I didn't even realize he was playing half of it. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, playing, I mean, give, were... given Liverpool's back line and who was, who was in that back line, um, you know, a few little cheeky balls in behind for Vardy to chase might have given them some uh, some really troubling moments for that Liverpool defence. Mm, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, as, as a statement goes, it's a, a new club record, 64 games unbeaten now at home in the Premier League. That is, that is an incredible statistic, okay. 64 games. Um, that must span... I'm just trying to, trying to do the math here. It's... Uh, so 19 home games a season. So that's over that stretches over three seasons now. That's mental. Um if if my maths is right and I'm not thinking about this the wrong way, 64 games. So it's 19 home games per season. 19 times three is 57. Um so yeah, we're into our third season that they've not been beaten at home in the uh, Premier League. Crazy. So that is impressive. Then their squad depth is even is just about as impressive as that stat as well. I mean, we spoke last week about the injuries that they had. Um, their their back four was Milner at right back. They had Matip and Fabinho at centre back, and and thankfully Robertson was was fit enough to play at left back after his injury scare in the week uh, with Scotland. Uh, but you wouldn't know that was not their first choice defence. Um, they were very very good and very composed. I really rate um, Fabinho. Actually, it kind of reminds me of uh, Fernandinho at City. He's like an all rounder. Yeah, he's um he's just got this calmness about him, hasn't he? That he just he's got that persona that he is just sorry, almost like a Van Dyke, just that presence. Mm, yeah, and they're all quite sort of similarly built, aren't they? They're all like ten foot tall. <laughs> um, <laughs> should Leicester have had a penalty in this game? Uh, the Joel Matip with a what was a very unintentional handball, um, but by today's rules, should that have been a penalty? Um, you can't remember what it is, can you? I can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, it was. I'm trying to think who it was who took the who took the uh, the air shot. I think it was either Vardy or Harvey Barnes. Um, took an air shot, completely missed it, and as Matic went in to close him down, the ball bounces up and hits his hand. But it hits his hand quite heavily, and the ball sort of travels a good five ten yards away. Um. Now, if you're going to be giving penalties for, uh, I'm trying to think, the penalty in the May United West Brom game, for example, um, and we've seen similar penalties given in in recent weeks where a cross comes in, they sort of put their body where they turn their back on the ball a little bit, their hands in a in a natural position, but then a little bit outside of their body. If we're giving penalties for that, I'm I'm really surprised that this wasn't given as a handball. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean, especially like with the United one. I was a bit fifty-fifty about it being a penalty. It's just, I think that's what it is at the moment. It's very fifty-fifty. Sometimes you know they're given, and then exactly the same thing will happen in another game, and it's not given. It's quite a it's quite a strange one. Yeah, I think as as sad as it is, and as as a sorry state of affairs, it is that we've accepted now that 
by today's rules, if you block a cross with your hand and it's pelted at you at 400 miles an hour from four inches away, it's still going to be a penalty. And it's a sad state of affairs that we have begun to accept that now that even the commentators are looking at going, well, it's not a penalty, but unfortunately it's going to be given as one because that's what the rules are. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it was surprising. It wasn't given. Um, it won't do anything to help the, uh, Liverpool brigade. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was, uh, a moment of let off for, for Liverpool in a game where it could have gone either way at that point. Um, Harvey Barnes missed a really good chance to, to I think, to level it up. I think it was only one nil at the time. Um, but then Liverpool's new little gem, Diego Jota. Uh, what a what a player he's turning into for Liverpool. Yeah, he wasn't even their first choice, I don't think, was he? Well, he's he's going to be. He keeps playing like this. <laughs> I think they wanted um, that Watford winger. I read somewhere they wanted the Watford winger, but he was too expensive, so they settled for Diego Jota. And looks like you he might have. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, that's interesting. Looks I didn't like... know that. Yeah, so it looks like it might have uh, worked out quite well after all. Yeah, every cloud and all that. So that's eight goals now for Liverpool for for Jota. Um, a goal in all four home Premier League games for Liverpool. There was a stat around that, and I think that he's the first Liverpool player to do that since. You know, a long time ago, I can't remember what the exact stat was, but I know it's a, a an impressive stat nonetheless. Um, it's a wonderful header, um, the glancing header that he had in the game, wasn't it? The uh, cross from Robertson was superb, but look, you've got to love a glancing header like that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I think Jota is definitely what Liverpool needed. They needed that player that when you're missing your mana and you're missing your Salah, that it's not like a massive disadvantage because Jota, obviously, is not as good as those two, but. He's a lot better than the likes of Shakiri, etc. Yeah, and, and Divock Origi. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you if you Klopp has, has at times, he obviously rates Jota himself. He's obviously been um, as impressed with his form as, as as we all have, and he has at times played all four of them in the same game by putting. I think he actually deploys Jota in a in a midfield role. I think Firmino is happy to drop into midfield, and they can sort of rotate the the four of them around. We often hear about what Firmino adds to the team. You know, he's not just all about, um, it's not all about the goal scoring stats for him. It's about what he does for the all round play. But if you had to pick a front three, would you have Firmino over Jota? Um, yeah, I think so. You would, you, you, you would, you'd still have him over, um, Jota, despite that Jota is, has a better goal scoring record or seems to be better in front of goal, you'd still have Firmino for that work rate. I, I get the, the impression that Chris would have Jota. Well, I think the way <laughs> I understand why, because like I always said that like Firmino is a waste of space. Well, not in those words. I don't think he's a waste of space. But hey. with obviously you've got like, he's the striker, and then you've got Salah and Mane scoring all the goals. But I think that is what they're set up to do. I think they're set up as if like Salah and Mane are almost the strikers, and then false nine. He, yeah, Firmino is that false nine sort of cam role, and he's it's it's rare to find a player that's quite happy to give up the goals to the other two players. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you say about giving up the goals, but for me, it's not like Firmino doesn't have his chances. I mean, it's ironic that the hardest chance of the weekend that he had was the one that he took and scored. It was, it was a lovely header from a corner. Great goal, yeah. Um, he really rose well. You know, I love when you see those headers where the player really like, proper puts his neck and back into it as he uh, powers the header home. But he had, I think, two very good chances before that. Um, you know, ones where 
you would expect a player of his quality to score. Um, and I, I fear like if he keeps missing those sorts of chances, would Klopp eventually succumb to playing Jota instead of him if Jota stick keeps scoring? Well, he, he did come ten millimeters away from scoring well, just before that, guy. didn't he? It was that was I. I don't actually ever think I've seen a. Uh, a what you call it a hawkeye decision as close as that that was quite incredible wasn't it it was literally like the thread of the ball that was keeping it in mm. <laughs> um so yeah we've we spoken about leicester um i don't really know what what their approach was do you think this was a deliberate approach to, to sit off and give liverpool the ball or do you think this was just a bad day at the office effectively we played five at the back and then he swapped it in like the 60th 70th minute to go four at the back and he pushed another player further forward. So I think his plan was to just sit back and counter-attack, but they just weren't getting the balls up to Vardy. And so it ended up just being a sit back and sit back. And then he obviously he tried to change it around, but the problem is changing stuff around in the 60th minute. I mean, sometimes it does work, but it's almost like a too little too late type thing. Yeah, sometimes when when a, when a team is playing the way they are, that a sub can't come on and change it anyway because it's almost like it's so ingrained in the team and how they're playing. Yeah. That sub comes on and falls straight into the same trap as the players that are already out there. Um, it, yeah, it just felt like it was a bit of um, potentially a free hit for Leicester, and I know that's maybe not the right way to put this, but effectively, you know, we know this is Liverpool. We know that um, they're going to high press you and etc. This was a weakened side. If Leicester go for it and lose three 0 you can say bloody hell Liverpool. That was that was fantastic. But you know Leicester came and gave it a really good go. Um, but they've still lost fairly handedly in the end. Um, yeah, they, and they almost probably hurts their lying. confidence more. They almost sort of took it lying down. Really, I think they they could have gone for it and really made a statement. Um, would potentially be even draw. You know, would have been good. Um, but they just they just didn't like I say they didn't turn up at all. Yeah. Do you think from a confidence point of view, like this, that a result like this, I mean, I'm not just say this particular game, but in, in football in general, do you think that w- when you go to a team like Liverpool and you really give it a go, you know, you sort of say to hell with it, throw caution to the wind, go for it. You lose three or four nil and you come off the pitch. Do you, do you think that you're feeling better about yourself if you do that? than if you come off the pitch, losing three or four nil, just trying to park the bus and play counter-attacking football. I think so. Even as not, even not just as a player, like as a fan, I'd rather watch my team, you know, go for it and attack as often as possible yeah. and lose 3-2 than to watch them sit back all game and try and grab a 1-0 win. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, right, just before we go to the break, um, just a quick chat about the overall title picture. We are just coming up to a third of the way through the season. Um, are we fairly satisfied that we're looking at a three-horse race? Do we feel that City are... Uh, are not really contenders right now. I, do you want to say? <laughs> no, I. Well, I don't know. I don't really know about City. It's a bit of a mixed bag with them, isn't it? I think it's still too early to say. To be honest, obviously. Oh uh, yeah, I forgot this. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't think we'll be involved. But I mean, we're only like six points or so, six or seven points off of like first place. So there's still all to play for, and they've only played eight games which is not even a quarter of the way. I know it's close, but it's not even a quarter of the way yet. So, Yeah. I've got some, pers- some narrative to talk about, though, Dan. Come oh, on, yeah, no, involved. I agree. I Obviously, you look at those top <laughs> three teams, but, I mean, 
you know, every, not everybody's played everybody yet. And I feel like some teams have played harder games than other teams have. And yeah. once everyone's played everyone, it will start to, you'll Even start now. to get a bigger picture. But I yeah, do, I guess I do... often, it... sorry, go on. No, go on. I was saying, you often, at these points of the season, you often look at the teams that are up there and you judge them based on how you feel their longevity is going to be across the season, which is why, despite, you know, even if Southampton were still top of the league, I'm fairly certain nobody would be taking them seriously to even finish in the Champions League, let alone winning the, winning the, winning the league. Mm. So when you have teams up there like Chelsea, like Spurs, like uh, Liverpool, who are who are doing so well, and you see City being so out of sorts, you know, you do have to look at the history of the team, what they've done, who, how they're playing, what they're, who their manager is, etc. Um, and I, yeah, personally, I do feel like this is looking very much like a three-horse race. I would go as far to say that I don't think City are going to challenge this season for the for the title. I really don't. Damn. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like a lot can happen in January though, um, and City have got a lot of money to spend. I, can see. I think all they're missing is one. One player really is just that striker. If they can get someone to get them goals, I think they'll be back up there again. But I do think it will be like a, a mainly that three horse race. But we saw with Leicester last season, they were like third the entire season and they ended up finishing fifth. So, mm. yeah. Okay. Well, obviously, we will, um, you know, come Christmas time, I guess we will have a bit more of a bigger picture. Um, just before we go to the break, um, some MLS news. Um, Dan, I'd like you to walk us through some madness <laughs> that occurred in a penalty shootout in the MLS recently. So I've, I've sort of written down um, notes on what happened, but me talking about it won't do the clip justice at all. So I've, I think you've, you've shared it, haven't you, with the Kickabout? Yeah, it is on the, the Kickabout's Facebook page if you haven't seen this. I do highly recommend you go and watch it. Yeah, so I would definitely say just go and watch it rather than listen to me explain it because it's not going to do it any justice at all. But Pretty much Orlando City were playing New York City um, in the MLS playoffs. And uh, after a one-all draw in normal time, the Orlando goalkeeper Pedro Gales, Galassi, no idea how you pronounce his name, um, <laughs> was in a second yellow card for moving off the line before saving um, the New York City's penalty. And, when, when, is, uh, when has that ever been a rule, by the way? I've never in my life seen a goalkeeper shown a yellow card for coming off his line. No, I'd well, no, I was I sent you out. <laughs> I feel like they could have just said to him, you know, don't do that again or something like that. You, almost like a slap on the wrist. I don't. I feel like a straight yellow card, um, especially when he's already on a yellow card. To send him off is a little bit over the top. Yeah. If it, you know, if he'd done it like more than once, if he'd already been warned and then he did it again, I can fully understand them giving him a yellow card. But for for them to just do it on the first go just seems very strange mm -hmm. um so then with him thinking he'd won the match for orlando um everybody started celebrating the manager ran down the touchline um <laughs> that was changing room celebrating um and as we were saying in the mls it's actually like a rule that they don't warn the goalkeepers um to stay on the line and then they book them if they don't stay on the line which is a bit, a bit strange um so the, the manager ran into the changing rooms celebrating for some strange reason and his staff actually had to go and grab him um <laughs> come and get him back because their oh. goalkeeper had just been sent off so they then um they then substituted their reserve goalkeeper on um and he made his way up to the goal 
And then after a few minutes, the referee suddenly realized that you're not allowed to make a sub during a penalty shootout. So then he sent him packing his things. Um, <laughs> How does the referee not know that? I mean, oh, that is God, no. so basic. It was such a shambolic, like, sort of, I don't even know. I think it was, it went down as like one of the longest penalty shootouts. Um, and there wasn't even that many penalties taken. <laughs> um, so then I, I think it was their right back that they stuck in goal. Um, and he he didn't save the penalty. They scored the penalty that was originally saved. Um, and a couple more penalties were taken. And then all of a sudden, the makeshift goalkeeper saved the penalty. And the Orlando team all ran around celebrating, thinking that they'd won the game without realizing that there was still another penalty that needed to be taken in order for them to win. Yeah, it's, it's sudden death penalties. It's not fucking hard, people. Yeah. <laughs> so they then had to compose themselves again. And um, the Orlando player then took the last penalty, scored it, and they could finally celebrate three hours later. <laughs> oh, even the commentators were just like, they were so bemused as to what was going on um, to the point where they were almost laughing. And when that penalty was taken, when the makeshift goalie saved it and they were started celebrating, at no point did either commentators say, you know, like, well done, they've won the game or anything like that. They were like... There's not a penalty left, isn't there? Like they, they, they were so confused. Oh, my God. But, yeah, if you haven't seen it, go and check out our Facebook page um, and have a watch. You'll be able to find it on YouTube, I'm sure, as well. But uh, check, it out. check it out on our Facebook page and drop a like while you're there. Um, right. We're going to head to the break. When we come back, we're going to hear from the listeners and we're going to take a look at the picture at the other end of the table. See you in a minute. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. Let's jump straight in to the listener segment. So, Fran, what has everyone been saying this week? So, Pete has said, so we're a quarter way through the season, and I'm surprised how tight it is. The bottom of the league is starting to take shape. Quite surprised to see Sheffield United down there, but I called the Burnley, Fulham, West Brom little group. I still think Liverpool and City will take. Champions League spots, but Chelsea and Spurs are really relishing the slip-ups along with a few other teams, but they are the only ones I see keeping up the pace. Uh, obviously, the Southampton game is happening now, but he says, I'm writing this before the Southampton match for good reason, but yes, credit <laughs> where it is due for all teams up there stepping up. Isn't this the first week Spurs, West Ham and United have all won? Hashtag up the stat man, Dan. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, so the bottom of the league is starting to take shape are we surprised that Sheffield are there I am very surprised at Sheffield actually I put quite a few of their players in my um, fancy team at the start of the season well that's why then I think you should apologise to them we all, <laughs> we all know that when we put I mean it's like I put Ziek in my team and he's done fuck all since I put him in my team <laughs> I put um, um, Salah and Zaha in and neither of them played this weekend they've both got COVID haven't they yeah <laughs> Apparently, um, Jesse Lingard's got uh, COVID now as well. From doing what? Which is... I don't... <laughs> Are you trying to suggest that he's not uh, doing anything outside of playing football? If anyone hates Jesse well, he's Lingard. He's not even on the uh, JD Sports adverts anymore. Oh, my he's God. <laughs> the JD adverts comes on and Dan's like, no Jesse Lingard. <laughs> oh, dear. It's such a shame because, you know, in a few years' time, he's still a young player. I think feel like Jesse Lingard could do so much. <laughs> um, potential. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I'm I am surprised that Sheffield United are still down there. Obviously, we're going to talk about the uh, the bottom clubs in a moment, but I don't think there's too many surprises about Fulham and West Brom being down there. I think that's fair to say. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, and obviously Burnley got their first win tonight. Yes, that's a, that's a big win for them against uh, Crystal Palace. Um, and still think Liverpool and City will take Champions League spots. I think they'll both take Champions League spots. I'd be very surprised to see Man City in the Europa League next year, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, despite what I said earlier, I would be very surprised if City aren't in the Champions League. Um, But I do feel, I still feel at the moment, the way things are, that City are a long way from actually challenging for the title. Um, It just depends on whichever team it is that wins the league, whether they win it by a mile like Liverpool did last year, whether it's really close between one, two or three teams. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I think it would be very surprising. Um, especially after Guardiola just signed a new two year deal. If they don't get into the champions league, that would be quite surprise, quite interesting to see if that was to happen, whether Guardiola um, stays, if they end up in the Europa league. I think it'll be closer this year, which would be good. Yes, me too. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, last season was amazing to watch as Liverpool ran away and broke all these records, etc. But from a neutral, we want to see a closer fight, don't we? Mm. Yeah. Agree. Um, so we'll move on to the next comment from, <laughs> from Joe. Um, Chelsea are going to win the league, end of. Uh, he then says something about them beating Spurs, but we don't think about that. Um can you give Lampard some credit this week after you've been wanting him to be sacked from day one this season? Even though I said when the signings fed in, we would be class like we are. What a great job he has done, taking us to, to one of the best sides of in the league. Although I would say to that, did you not consider yourself one of the best sides in the league already? Uh, yes, that's a very good point. Um... I did go back to that and I did say that I, I don't recall us ever actually saying that we wanted um, Lampard to be sacked unless I'm wrong. No, I never wanted him to be sacked. Just said that, you know, with the performances at the start when they were 3-0 up against, uh, was it West Brom and then drew 3 all and stuff. I think we said if that carried on, he there was potential he could get sacked. I don't ever remember saying I wanted him. To but I think sacked. we've always, I think it's just we've always known with Chelsea that it was just going to take them a while to settle in, just because they had so many new players. But we've like for the past couple of weeks, we've said that Chelsea are smashing it, yeah, and that they're starting to blend. They're definitely going to fight for the title. So yeah, yeah, I think we've, we've our our feeling with Chelsea, and it was the same with a lot of people, was that wasn't going forward that was ever going to be the problem it was defensively um and credit where credit's due he has massively sorted that out they've made some good signings he's obviously worked on it on the training ground and it's now paying dividends so um no credit where credit's due chelsea are looking extremely strong right now and um you wouldn't bet against them winning something this year for sure yeah i agree well thanks everyone for your comments yeah, uh, it's uh, it's turning into the Joe Morton and Pete Thurgood section, isn't it? <laughs> that, uh, that bit. So uh, if you are a regular listener, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, even if you just want to ask us a random question about football and get our opinion on a certain team or whatever it might be. Or an idea for a quiz 
Always welcome. <laughs> or a forfeit for, for Dan. <laughs> or a forfeit. Anything's welcome. <laughs> uh, right, let's get on then and talk about the uh, the bottom half or the bottom end of the Premier League table. So we'll start with the game that was on BBC at the weekend, Fulham against Everton. Um, there just appears to be a bit of Groundhog Day going on for some of these bottom teams. It's sort of uh, same old, same old um, in terms of what their performances are. Fulham um, just giving up just really easy goals and you, you can't keep giving teams in the Premier League two, three goal head starts. No. And um, I think it was Scott Parker said that, you know, in the second half they turned up, but he said it's, well, like I said earlier, it's too little too late. That needs to, need to be turning up in both halves. Um, especially when you're fighting relegation, you can't just turn up in the second half and try and fight back into the game. Yeah. I mean, Everton were very good in the first half. Um, Richarlison back in the side seemed to make a big difference. Two goals from uh, Calvert-Lewin, who's showing no signs of slowing up his goal-scoring form. Um, and Decore uh, scoring as well, making it... I think it was... I'm trying to think who, the, who scored Fulham's goal. I think it was... Um, uh, Reed was now. I can't remember what he's. Yeah. He's got a weird double-barreled name that I can't yeah. remember. Can't pronounce anyway. Um but uh, yeah, so three one at half time. Fulham's defending was defending. Sorry, was dreadful. Uh, just Everton just sort of ghosted past them. Just like Fulham didn't even want to put a, ta- a challenge in. Yeah, uh, Richarlison was back again, wasn't he? And he was he was <laughs> very good for Everton. Mm. It just seems to be that missing link for Everton. I think. Yeah, it's. I mean, you said that stat before about um, what was the stat you said about Everton about the last time they've, they've won a game without a Brazilian yeah, in their side or something. Never won a game. Never won a game without Richarlison in the team. Yeah, so that's quite a, quite a stat that I didn't realise they had. So he's he's clearly very very important to that team. Um, second half, Fulham made a couple of changes. They brought on Mitrovic and Loftus Cheek. Um, they had a much better look about them. Um, and they had an under the cosh for a large period of that second half. Yeah, I think um, Loftus-Cheek could be a really good player for Fulham this season, and Adam Ola-Lukman's looking like a very good player for them as well. Why did Loftus-Cheek not start? I was about to ask the same question. Him and Mitrovic both on the bench, which I found quite surprising. seems weird. Yeah, Scott didn't tell me. <laughs> um, but so yeah, I mean they looked a lot better. Harrison Reed in the midfield uh, looked looked good on the ball. Lamina and Lookman, as you say, also looked good. But I don't know whether it was a combination of Fulham turning up in the second half and maybe Everton taking their foot off the gas a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, they got themselves back in the game with a goal. But just before that, the uh, there's a, there appears to be a bit of a curse around Fulham at the moment. Why haven't they got anyone who can take penalties, Dan? <laughs> I think they need to practice it on the training ground, don't they? I thought that he had um, just slipped over with the ground, but then watching match of the day and they did the analysis, mm. he actually does kick the ball into his own foot. It was, I mean, it was, it was so bad. It was almost impressive. <laughs> it was worse than my penalty. <laughs> now come on easy steady <laughs> um, do you I mean uh, talking in the match day analysis Danny Murphy was talking about the angle of the run up um, do you th- I mean if you think back to the Beckham penalty against 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 was it Argentina I'm trying to think who it was against where he fluffed his lines and I think uh, John Terry did it in the uh, in the Champions yeah, League United final Champions League yeah um, I mean if you take those sorts of run ups and you're looking to wrap your foot right around the ball, your standing foot is going to be planted a lot quicker and a lot more forcefully into a, into a soft and wet ground. So it, it does make you wonder why, why Fulham 
are taking penalties in such a way. Do you think just fucking smash the ball in the back of the net? You know, you've, this is now the, what, the fourth penalty they've missed this season? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just fucking put the ball in the net. Stop with this fanning around. You know, you're, you're fighting relegation. You've, you've had four goals um, mm. that may have, I mean, certainly would have got a point against uh, West Ham. It probably would have got them all three against Sheffield United, and it may well have got them a point yesterday. I mean, that's potentially five points they've now missed out on because of these penalties. Yeah. yeah, I think I would have let um, Lookman have another go. I know, obviously, cocked up the other one trying to chip it, but I don't think he would do that again. I feel like from now on he would make sure of it, and he's probably a good penalty taker. But I feel like the, I don't think you can keep changing every time someone misses one. No, it doesn't put any confidence in anyone. Then does it? Yeah. I think if they get a penalty next game, I think they're all going to be terrified. Yeah, because you know that if you miss, you're off them again. Yeah, it's it's a it's almost like a curse now, isn't it? No, nobody nobody yeah. wants it because they've seen other players miss it. Mm. Um, it's interesting you say that about Lookman. I mean, that's it would be a massive gamble to throw him back in there, but he does seem like the sort of player that wouldn't shy away from that. He's a very confident, borderline yeah, player. Seems so like very, seems like a very confident player, and I feel like if you asked him, he'd be happy enough to take one again. And I don't think he'd make the same stupid decision that he did no. in the last game. I, feel I, like I would love to see him yeah. try it just for Bance. I would love to see him try mm-hmm. it again. Mm-hmm. And miss it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's just hope um, they're practising and training. Yeah, yeah. so uh, it's, thankfully it it didn't deflate the team too much because it was only uh, a couple of minutes later that Loftus-Cheek then scored uh, a really work, well-worked goal actually from Fulham. Lookman doing some good work on the right-hand side and um, pulling it back for Loftus-Cheek, but it's it wasn't enough to stop another loss. And uh, I mean, it, it sounds so simple, but if Fulham don't stop conceding the number of goals they do, I mean, everyone, every team is going to concede goals, right? But if you're conceding two, three goals a game, you're going to find it very, very tricky to stay in this league. Yeah. Yeah. Really poor goals that they're conceding as well. I mean, Everton's goals were actually, I mean, they, um, Decore goal was obviously good, but Digne had all the time in the world to cross it. And the other two goals were just quite scrappy goals. Yeah, I mean, um, Calvert-Lewin actually didn't even know where the ball was for the first one. He, he sort of ran into it, didn't he? Yeah. Ran into it, yeah. The, uh, Dekure's goal was very well worked, but I would say that the marking was was absolutely dreadful. Um, I mean, he was, I don't know, it was almost on the edge of the six-yard box. He, he had about five yards of space either side. But they just, yeah, as you say, they just got to make it harder for opponents to score against them. I mean, they, they don't seem to be sort of up for the fight at, at some points during games. Yeah. Who have they got next, Jeff? Any ideas? Hold that line caller. Let I'll me go and find out for you. Hold that line caller. Uh, they've... Oh, hello. Oh, oh dear. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so they've got Leicester next. Uh, then they've got Man City, and then they've got Liverpool. Oh, mama. Nine points, then. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to go so... into Christmas feeling great. Yeah, um, then they've got games, uh, they've got Brighton, Newcastle, Southampton and Spurs before the year is out. So yeah, they've got a tough run of fixtures coming up. Oh yeah. I could see them beating City. It's at City as well, I'm not sure. I mean, I know City are playing bad, but that really would be a, uh, that's the the equivalent of Man United beating someone right now. (laughs) We just beat West Brom. I can't see them losing all three games. I feel like they'll do what a lot of teams down the bottom do, where they just suddenly pull out a win. Um, It might not be against City, but I think they'll win one of those three games. Yeah, I think you would probably say that Leicester is uh, their best shot, you would say. Um, Fulham are not going to see a great deal of the ball against City, and I'm not sure they're good enough on the counter to hurt City. Um, 
Liverpool, it's, it's at Fulham, it's at the home ground. If they've, if they've got some fans back in the stadium as well, that's another thing to consider for some of these teams down the bottom. They might have an extra voice in their, in their ears cheering them on or potentially abusing them if they're not playing very well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that could be, it could be a thing, but um, from an Everton point of view, they, uh, they looked a lot better. Like Richard, Richarlison, as you said, does appear to be that missing link. And that front three with him, Rodriguez and Calvert-Lewin really clicked it again uh, with Iwobi supporting as well. What? I thought he was moving on to the... <laughs> Jack, guys, thanks. Um, what, did you, what did you make of um, Alex Iwobi? Um, he, he hasn't played huge amounts this season, but he looked really, really good yesterday, I thought. Yeah, yeah, he's done because he, he's... It's been quite poor, I think, at the start of the season. But um, I think the whole team, a bit like Chelsea, I think they're all starting to gel together because obviously they made quite a few new signings as well. Yeah. Uh, Alan looks really good. Um, yeah. I really like the look of him. And I do also think Takure is quite an underrated signing as well. I think Hammers Rodriguez, just the the passes you see him play, like he plays all these outside of the foot passes that just go straight to the man he's trying to get it to. Yeah, he's a, he's a very cultured player. I don't know what it is about left-footed players. We said this before, but left-footed players just look they just look so much better, don't they? Because there's less of them. Yeah, yeah. It's like left-footed golfers like Phil Mickelson. I love it. I'm all I'm all about left-footed. <laughs> left um, so uh, just to wrap up the point on Everton, two wins in their last six. Um, they're still sixth though, and only four points behind the leaders. So you know they've still given themselves with that start to the season a fantastic platform to have a a really strong season. And who knows, you know, if there is one Champions League place up for grabs at the end of the season, um, you know, Everton and Leicester and maybe. I'm trying to think who else might be in with a shout. Um, you know, those are the teams that might be just United. licking their lips and thinking, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, let's not be silly. Um, you know, they might be the ones looking at that and thinking maybe we can sneak into the Champions League this season. I think both, City. both the Champions League and the Europa League are going to be very tight for spaces this year. I think there's going to be a lot of teams fighting for all of them. Yeah. I mean, I, I say Leicester City with a, it's a little bit disrespectful because they did actually make the Champions League last year, did they not? Or did they, no, or they did Europa finish League? fifth, didn't they? They did finish fifth. You're right. And yes, they did. Ignore that. I'll edit that out. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Moving on. Um, so the other teams in the bottom league, so Sheffield United against West Ham um, will make this fairly brief. The, the game, yeah. The game was not, uh, was not particularly brilliant. Um, just before we talk about Sheffield United, just quick point on West Ham. Um, that's two wins now against low-lying opposition, eighth in the league. Uh, things are looking actually pretty rosy at the moment for West Ham, aren't they? Yeah, without is Antonio back? I don't think he's back yet, is he? Uh, apparently he's back in training, but he um, Moyes decided he wasn't worth the risk for this game, um, so he, he stuck with Haller. Paid off as well. Yeah, he had a much better game. Obviously, he. The, the thing is, is that you can't keep comparing him to Antonio. I think we've said this before. You, you, they're, they're such different players, and there aren't many players in the Premier League, frankly, who will give you the sort of work rate that Antonio does off the ball. Mm. Um, he's like the he's like the football equivalent of Nadal. He just chases everything. He he, he's, he never settles for the ball being out of play. He, he's just going to chase it regardless. Mm. Um, and Haller is obviously not that player. Haller works a lot better when there's when there's people around him, which is why he looks so out of sorts against teams like Liverpool last week uh, or the, before the international break, sorry. Um, 
when he's having to lead the line on his own, he's having to chase a lot of lost causes. He's not the most mobile of players in terms of his his pace. So he just looks he just looks like he shouldn't he doesn't belong in the Premier League. He looks awful. But when you're playing against a side like Sheffield United, where they're going to have more of the ball, you can get more players around him. Um, his worth suddenly starts to make a bit more sense. Um, and he took his goal really well. Um, there were some good performances around the pitch as well. Uh, Rice was superb again. Um, defensively looking good. That's another clean sheet as well. I think that's four now this season for West Ham. But it wasn't, we didn't have things all our own way. Um, Sheffield United, a bit like Fulham. It's, it's same old, same old again, working reasonably hard, but just no cutting edge. They're just, they can't put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I think that... Um... Uh, oh, what's the word I'm trying to say? The signing of um, Brewster. Gamble, that's what I was trying to say. That gamble of trying to sign Brewster, it's not paying off at the moment, is it? No, and it wasn't. An, it's not an insignificant amount of money for somebody like Sheffield United to spend on a player. Um, you know, it, as you say, it was a big gamble. He had no real Premier League experience before that. It, he obviously had a, an okay spell at Swansea where he scored some goals for them. Um but uh, yeah, it's absolutely not paying off. Uh, McBurney was the one who hit the bar towards the ends. Um, they've only scored four goals this season. It's, it's not good, is it? No, although they weren't exactly a high-scoring team last season, were they? They were definitely a, a clean sheet team and they nicked the 1-0 wins. But unfortunately, they're not keeping the clean sheet, so... Yeah, I mean, they've conceded 15 goals now. Uh, one point from nine games. No team has ever survived having had such a bad start. So they're going to have to defy all the odds and all the uh, all the the trends in history to to stay up. Do you see them surviving? Do you see them getting out of this? They need to get Dean Henderson back in goal. <laughs> well, he's not really playing much at United right now, no. so. I would have learned him back out, like Premier League football, playing every single weekend. I think we would have been better learning him back to um, Sheffield. But yeah, um, I mean, in, in all fairness, I mean, Aaron Ramsdale has not is it? It's not his fault the way things are going. I don't recall him making any any errors for any of their goals. Um, certainly not high profile ones, anyway. Not like Kepper mistakes, no. <laughs> yeah, he is he is the measuring stick for which all shit goalkeeping should be measured. <laughs> um so yeah, really um, worrying as stuff. For your, that... As for your question, do I think they can I hope they can survive because I think the season they had last season um obviously blew everyone away or caught everyone by surprise. So I think it would be a massive shame if they end up just completely balls in this season up and getting relegated. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I do as well. Um, it would be, it, it would certainly be a same a shame to see Sheffield United go down if they continue in this manner, um, because it's not a reflection on the sort of side that they are. Um, you know, we we know that they don't have the out and out quality to compete with the bigger sides in the, in the league, but they're certainly a better unit as a team than what they're showing right now. So uh, hopefully they can pick things up. Um, and then finally, before we talk about the overall battle for relegation, excuse me, Villa against Brighton, uh, four points in the last two games of Brighton now. And all of a sudden, um, you look at the table now, they can just start to begin to look up the table rather than behind them and below. It's a massive win this. Yeah, yeah. That's what those sort of games are the games they need to be winning. Um, like it's against your teams like Palace and stuff like that and Villa, etc. So yeah, good win for them. Yeah. Talk me through the defending for the first goal from uh, Brighton, the defending from Villa. <laughs> well, Villa, Villa are a bit strange in this game. They're 
especially since the sort of uh, Liverpool game, seem to have gone downhill a bit. I mean, that defensive line must be 15 yards inside the Brighton half. I mean, is that just, uh, is that arrogance that they think they're so good on the ball that they can defend that high and get away with it? Or is it just really crap, unaware, not focused defending? Yeah, I don't think it's arrogance. I think it's a lack of concentration. But surely a player in that team or a co- member of coaching staff should be should be seeing that and helping stop that before yeah, that happens. Yeah, but I mean, you look at the Istanbul Istanbul goal that they scored against United when United had every single player in the true. other team's 11, um, 18-yard box. I can't even speak today. 18-yard box. Um, that well, we all said that's like kids' football, but it's just lack of concentration. I think everybody yeah. wants always wants to go forward and stuff, don't they? And push forward, and sometimes you just switch off. Yeah, and it was it was good to see Danny Welbeck uh, rolling back the years with that goal. Um, it was a a lung busting run. I mean, he's run from sort of ten yards inside Villa's half all the way to then uh, dink the ball over Martinez. Um, is he? If they can keep him fit, is he the guy that could potentially score the goals to get Brighton out of trouble? Or um, do you think that perhaps he's he's only going to be a couple of goal man like he has been in the last few seasons? I didn't even know he was at Brighton until I saw... Him playing? No, until I saw Brighton go 1-0 up. I looked to my phone yeah. and said, Danny Welbeck is <laughs> yeah. I was like, since when was he at Brighton? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... I feel like he's he's always been a good player. And I feel like injuries have prevented him from playing. Um, you know, this is going to sound disrespectful to, to the teams that he's played, but I feel like he could have played um, at a higher level for longer than he did. I know he had spells at uh, at United and Arsenal, but in particular, the Arsenal spell was was blighted with injuries. Mm. Um, he does still have something to offer, and I feel like Brighton actually could have got a good deal out of this. Feels well, like he's been around someone. for a long old time, Danny Wilbert. Well, yeah. But, I mean, Brighton needs someone, doesn't they? So Yeah, they've got Neil Mopay, though. He's been quite quite prolific for them, I thought. Yeah. I mean, Brighton scoring goals has been a bit of an issue this season, but uh, if they can start to spread the load of the goals around the team, even if yeah. one player, or even if their top scorer only gets six, if they've got four or five players who've all got four, five, six goals, um, then that might be enough for them this year. So, uh, yeah, so Villa got back on level terms. Um, some poor marking from Brighton cost them from a free kick. Um, Solly March then put them back in front with a, a wonderful curling effort. Um, we then saw a little bit of controversy, I think it's fair to say. So um, Lamptey, the right-back for Brighton, had a great start to the season. He was given a second yellow, which I thought was quite harsh. What would you guys think? Yes and no. I think it was a bit harsh, but it was also just kind of quite stupid from him. It was clumsy, I'll give you that. Yeah. It was harsh, I would agree. But again, I I think I'd be inclined because he... Yeah, it was clumsy, wasn't it? He just, especially after just getting that yellow card to then go and do that, you just, you just don't do that. Yeah, a little bit of inexperience maybe from him. Um, and then from the resulting free kick came the big talking points. Um, what do we think on this VAR drama? So the ball comes over, uh, it goes to the back post. I forget who it was. It might have been Trezeguet um, who is brought down. The penalty was originally given um, and then Michael Oliver overruled it after going and checking the screen. Uh, what did you guys think on this? Do you think this was the correct decision to overrule it? Yeah. I Well, personally, I, I didn't think it was a penalty, but 
I don't know. I think a lot of people did think it was a penalty. I I I was um yeah, I didn't think it was a penalty personally. Fran, what about you? What did you think on this one? Um, I knew you were going to come to me. I'm really bad at knowing if it's a penalty or not. To be honest, I usually watch all of them and then I go, Dan, was that? A <laughs> <laughs> and then he says yes or no, and I usually just go with whatever he tells me. So don't be a sheep, Fran. Don't be a sheep. Well, yes, I know, but I, I genuinely, even if there's like a foul or anything, I'm like, Dan, was that was that a foul? What's happening? <laughs> what is it? Was that a penalty? <laughs> Um, but I must admit, no, I mean, I'm I'm with you, Dan. I actually don't think this was a penalty either. Um, I think it's it's another one of those situations where because it's slowed down, you can pick the bones out of it because you're analysing it to within an inch of its life almost. Um, but he does get the ball. There is contact with the player, but I wouldn't say it's one of those ones where there's a dangerous follow through um, where he's potentially endangering the safety of an opponent, which I think is the, the correct terminology. Um, he's just flicked out a leg. Um, he's touched the ball with his foot and I think he's caught him maybe on the side of the knee. It certainly doesn't warrant the, uh, the, <laughs> the 9.5 Oscar performance dive that yeah. he got from, uh, I think it was Trezeguet. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously Villa feel very hard done by, but I think that overall, um, I think Brighton probably did deserve the win for this game from what, from what I saw anyway. Yeah. I think Brighton deserved the win. Mm. Um, and then what also wouldn't have helped, uh, Dean Smith's mood at the end of the game was that, uh, Ross Barkley, uh, pulled up with a hamstring problem. So apparently he pulled up early on in the game. Um, kept going for a little while and then eventually had to come off. We're not sure on the severity of it, but um, if he is out for, a, you know, hamstrings can sometimes take a month, even two months, if it's, a, uh, you know, a bit more of a severe tear. That's a big blow for Villa because Barkley has started the season really well and built up a nice understanding with Grealish and with Watkins. Yeah, it'd be a massive blow for them. Um, they have sort of almost become like a um, poor man's Firmino Salah and Mane, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, Villa being quite inconsistent in their recent form as well. Obviously, their early run of form does seem to have faded away a little bit. Would it be fair to say they've lost three of their last four now? Um, they have got games coming up where they will believe they can pick up points. Um, they're away at West Ham next, which won't be easy given the, the run of form that West Ham are currently on, so that could go either way. Then they've got Newcastle, Wolves, Burnley and West Brom. So they've got wow. very winnable games coming up. Mm. And you've got to remember that they were almost relegated last season. I think they would be looking to avoid relegation. That's probably what their objective was at the start of the season. So anything above that is a plus, really. I think they just had yeah. a great start, so now everyone's like, yeah, everyone thinks everyone they're doing starts, badly. Like, all yeah, the, you're absolutely like, right. Europe and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I think you know their task would have been to avoid relegation. So No, you're absolutely right. It is very easy to get carried away with a narrative just because they've had a cracking start of the season. Um, that you know, you suddenly your expectations of a team suddenly change because of that. Um, so just quickly then before we move on, um, battle for relegation. Um, it does seem you wouldn't say that Brighton are far enough away at the moment to be considered uh, not strong candidates for the draw, but their overall play has probably been the best of all the teams at the bottom. I think you'd be fair to say. Yeah, yeah. I do. I don't know about Sheffield. I don't know whether they are doomed or whether they can turn it around. I, I don't know. I feel like um, it's Chris Wilder, isn't it? I feel like he's a good enough manager to turn it around. 
Yeah, I just, it just one of those things when you get yourself into a rut like that. It, I feel like the work rate and the effort of the ball can actually be quite tricky to get back because it's almost like this subconscious effect of losing all of these games that saps the energy from you and saps your, your motive, almost like your motivation. Um, and it's such an easy argument to say, yeah, but they're professional footballers, you know, they should be working hard, et cetera. But there's such a psychological side to, to, to the pressures of Premier League football. And I feel like Chris Wilder has got a hell of a job on to, to get Sheffield United out of trouble. He has, yeah, and I, I don't. You look at their team. I just don't see any players that, like I was saying before, with like your Crystal Palace and stuff. They've got like Zahar. I just don't see any Zahars in that, um, in that Sheffield United team. To be honest. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a fair comment. I mean, even when you look at a team like Fulham, you know, they've got Mitrovic in there. If if he can find some form, you know, he's got a lot of goals in him. Uh, mm. Loftus Cheek well, obviously is a big player for them. And Lookman, you know, they've got a few yep. players that can sort of change games. Whereas, I, yeah. I mean, I, I sort of barely remember any Sheffield United players' names, let alone uh, <laughs> like game. And obviously, you know, you've got like your McGoldrick and stuff like that, but they're not like prolific goal scorers, are they? No, no. Um, so, I mean, Burnley picking up that win tonight, that puts them now um, outside of the bottom three as well. Um, it, it still, at the moment, seems to be the bottom five. I mean, it, the whole situation is just so tailor-made for, you know, if you look at Brighton, who've, who've picked up these four points in these last two games, all of a sudden now you look at the table and it it looks like they've now cut away from the bottom of the pack, which I don't I don't think you can say that just yet. But if a, if a team, say, say Fulham, for example, if they put two wins together, um, you know, all of a sudden the, the, the difference in how their season starts to look, I mean, I'm just looking at the table now, they put two wins together, they go above Brighton, um, depending on what they do, and then they're right on the on the tail of the the rest of the pack, and then potentially you're talking six points between there and the top half of the league. Yeah, so yeah. it's still very tight, but it somebody is, yeah. needs to make something happen. Yeah, yeah I don't. I I'd be surprised if Brighton were in the. Um, I think they'll be in that relegation battle, but I'd be surprised if um, Brighton got relegated. I do think it'll be like your West Brom, Fulham. I think those two definitely, and then interesting to see who take that third spot. Obviously, it doesn't look like it's going to be Leeds, um, who have just come up. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who will take that third spot. I couldn't call that, but I think it will be a West Brom and Fulham sort of twenty fourth, twenty third, twenty fourth, twenty third. How many teams in the Premier League? Twenty. 20 Are you all right, Dad? Do you need? Do you need a <laughs> It's Monday. It's Monday. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it'd be interesting. I mean, I, I touted Burnley from the start of the season as being a team that might struggle. Um, I am surprised. To, I think everyone is surprised to, to see Sheffield United struggling in the manner that they are. I don't, I don't think necessarily the fact that they're near the bottom end of the table is a surprise, but to see them the way they are, I think is the surprise with the low amount of goals, the, the only the one point, still no wins. Um, I think that's, that's, that's the surprise. So yeah, big, uh, a big month or two coming up for all of those teams down the bottom. So Let's move on. Just before we move on to your stat question and then uh, Fran's game show at the end uh, with Fran, I just want to touch on, did you see the the Leeds-Arsenal um, game? Yeah, I did, yeah. Did you see the uh, the mascot walkout at the start? 
I didn't see the star. I started watching a half time, but I saw on um, Facebook about it. Yeah, it's really nice touch. So Leeds, like everybody else in this pandemic, have been un- unable to have um, the mascots. Uh, you know, the, the young kids walk out with the team. So uh, Elliot Metcalf uh, did a video call with the Leeds captain, who held the tablet as he walked out, and you could see him. You know, they were interacting with each other in the tunnel and that sort of thing. And basically, he held the tablet. Um, out in front of him with the front facing camera so that he sort of got as close to the experience of walking out of the pitch as he could possibly get in these times. Uh, I just thought it was a really nice touch. You know, he's only 13 years old. He's suffering with cancer. Um, I thought it was a really lovely touch. I'm surprised that uh, other teams haven't uh, explored something like this as well. So yeah, yeah, lovely touch there from Leeds. Right. Uh, Dan, why don't you um, remind us of your stat from earlier and then uh, we'll have a crack at it, see if we can get these answers. Yep. So I'll read it again. So Johnny Evans' own goal for Leicester was his sixth in the Premier League. Only three other players have scored more own goals in the competition's history. Can you name them, Chris? I reckon Richard Dunn is one of them. He is. He's scored the most with 10. Um, 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 um. I feel like there might be a, um, I was going to say a Man United defender, someone like a Gary Pallister, someone like that. No, not quite, not quite that far back. Okay. I mean, I could be here forever uh, guessing, so in the interest of time. (laughs) Um, So two people drawn on seven. Uh, One of them was, they're both actually Liverpool players, Jamie Carragher and Martin Skirtle. Martin Skirtle, the Pokemon himself. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Cool. Thanks for that, Dan Lau. Let's let's get ready. Um, I'm going to try the I'm going to try the intro again. See if you can hear it. Um, If not, I'll have to edit in afterwards again. Right. Here we go. Did, did, did you hear that that time? We heard two it's like two seconds. So I think what it is, I think the the, fil- the filter on the mic that I use filters out anything that isn't talking. Uh, so I think it's that. So that's fine. I'll put it in afterwards. Okay. Welcome back to Football with Fran. So this week we're just doing some general some general Premier League quiz questions. Just some fun facts about the Premier League for you both. Uh, so I'm going to ask you same as last week the same question and then I will just um, Chris ask you for your answer and Dan ask you for your answer better write them down then did we get to the bottom of what the actual score is no Dan literally just said that to me I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, listeners. I haven't. I completely forgot to go back yeah. and listen. Ninety-nine percent certain it's five-three to Dan. Yeah, I, I think I'm two ahead, so I would agree. Okay, with that. well, let's just let's go with five-three. I think that's what we ended it on. Well, we last can listen week. back to the, the second to last and find yeah. out <laughs> which we should have done. <laughs> okay, right. Question one: Which player scored the fastest hat trick in the Premier League? Oh, I feel like none of us are going to get any answers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say the fastest goal. I know who that is. Is that one? Fastest hat trick ever. Fastest hat trick. Right. Uh, I it's fairly recent. I'm sure I've seen this recently. Three, two, one. Chris? Oh, man. Um, 
I'm going to say really? Wayne Rooney. Okay. I've gone for Mane. Dan oh, smashed it. Yeah. Sergio Mane, two minutes and 56 seconds when it was um, Southampton v Villa in 2015. Well done. Someone's closer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question two. Um... Which player with 653 games has made the most Premier League appearances? I think I know that as well. Oh, someone's confident. Um, uh, maybe. Chris, I can't see Chris. Chris, how are you feeling? <laughs> um, less confident, I guess. Less, yeah, less confident. Um, <laughs> it's probably not right. I just, yeah. Okay, whenever you're ready, Chris. <laughs> Oh, so so most Premier League so that number you gave six hundred whatever it was that is the most, made Premier the most Premier League appearances. I'm going to say Ryan Giggs. All right. See, I was thinking along lines of either James Milner, but I've gone for Gareth Barry. Jesus, yeah, Dan, you're right. Oh fuck off, Dan! <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, he cannot see. <laughs> right. Question three. Uh, with 260 goals, who is the Premier League's all-time top scorer? Okay, that one I do know. That's Alan Shearer. Uh, you know that. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Did you just say the answer, Chris? Alan Shearer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dan? Yeah. Well, like, Chris spoke and then you spoke at the same time. <laughs> and then I was like, I feel like Chris just said it. <laughs> Okay, question four. Um, when was the inaugural Premier League season? What does that mean? The first. Oh, the first. Don't no, don't explain it to him. No, he's got to, <laughs> he's got to understand the English language. <laughs> <laughs> I need every advantage I can get. <laughs> Chris? 1992. Yeah. Oh, bollocks. What? At 91. Oh. oh, oh one, two. So it's now, it's 3-2 to Dan, <laughs> currently. Right, question five. Which team won the first Premier League title? Oh. Oh. Okay, I think, yeah, okay. Okay, go on, Chris. Dan, you got an answer? Hang on, let me write it down. I think it's wrong. You don't have to write it down. Well, I do, because otherwise oh. I could just okay. say Okay, yeah, exactly yeah, sure, sure. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Chris, go on. I think it's Blackburn. Oh, I think it is. I'll put Liverpool. It was Manchester United. Oh, right. <laughs> that is that. I should know. Liverpool. Liverpool haven't won the pre- Liverpool won the Premier oh, League last season for the first time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, that was even worse. What has happened to you this evening? What do you mean? I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Next question. Shocking. With 202 clean sheets, which goalkeeper has the best record in the Premier League? Mm. Uh, okay, I'll take a stab. Ooh, it's not Kepa. <laughs> Chris? Dan, got an answer? Hang on, two seconds. Oh, I'll just sorry, sorry. Oh. Hopefully it's not what I just changed. Oh, well, I know what. Oh, right. Yeah, go, on. go on, Chris. I've not spelled it. Pe- uh, I'm going to have a pet a check. Yeah. So I put that and I changed it to Schmeichel. 
Oh my god, Chris, well done. Oh, oh he's back in the game. Oh, scenes, the scenes here in Borden. Good Stick lord. His first choice. Right, last question. No way. Has it come down to this? Real. Okay. How many clubs competed in the inaugural Premier League season? Dan's confident, written, written it down straight I away. Know. I think I know, but I we'll don't. We'll have to go to a, what's it, a tie break, whatever mm. it's called, if you get it right. Right, Chris, go on. Uh, um, oh, this no. has really thrown me. This has really thrown me because I thought it has always been 20. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with 20. I think that's a trick question. Right. I think it's 18. Oof, neither of you got it. What was it? It's 22. Oh, was it? Oh, was it? Okay. Got it. Right. Tie break. <laughs> Have you got a tie break question? Yep. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Talk amongst yourselves. Talk amongst yourselves, everybody. Okay. All the... Okay. Ronaldo helped Portugal win the European Championship in which year? Uh, this is the first time I've okay. had a tiebreak question like ready. Uh, Hold on, well, you, you if we both in? get it right. Yeah, both get it right. Go on then, Chris. 2016. 2016. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> yes, well done, everybody. <laughs> I just had to think about four years. It took me long enough to do it. Okay, well, just chat between yourselves for a minute. Was it just general maths that was holding up then? Yeah, I was thinking, were we just about to have the World Cup or the Euros? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which outfield player appeared in the Champions League final in three different decades? Oh, what a question that is. I love that from you. Three different decades. Yeah, you know what a decade is? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a bit of 50 That is brutal from you, Fran. <laughs> <laughs> Three different decades. Uh, Champions League which final. outfield player appeared in a Champions League final in three different decades? Oh, I'm not going to have a clue. You might want to get another tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this can't go on forever, so uh, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna take a stab. Uh, okay. No, I think that's wrong. It's, it's one of two it's one of two options I'm going yeah, for. I've gone yeah, I've this is wrong. Right, go on then, Chris. Uh, I'm gonna be so annoyed if it's I'm gonna say Thierry Omri. Good shit. I've gone Ronaldo, but like R nine Ronaldo. No, neither of you. Chris, what was your other one? Zlatan. No. Okay. Ryan Giggs. Ah. Oh. Okay. Can I get half a point because I gave him as an answer from one earlier? <laughs> <laughs> right, well, hold on a second. <laughs> this is a, this is the uh, the tensest Next quiz we've ever had. Podcast as well. <laughs> uh. Oh, if only I haven't changed right. my answer. England's. All time leading European Championship goal scorer has a tally of seven goals. Can you name the player? European. If one of you so could get it, so not World Cup. 
just says European Championship. I think that's the Euros. If one of you could get this right, <laughs> just one of you, that would be ideal. Dan, if you just want to concede now, I'll be happy to take the win. <laughs> I'm running out of options, mm. so... I feel like going with a really stupid answer, but I don't think that'll be right. I'll just go, I'll play it safe. I don't think that's right. Chris, have you got an answer? I'm going to go with Michael Owen. All right. It's probably better. I've just gone Rooney, but I don't think that's right. Oh, come on. Where's your football (laughs) knowledge, both of you? (laughs) (laughs) What is happening? (laughs) It's Alan Shearer. We're not covering ourselves in glory here, are we, Dan? <laughs> this is horrendous. It started so well. I got three in a row. And now I've got like six row in a row. Right. This talking is talking about what we could do for a Christmas special. Should we just do the end of this quiz for the Christmas special? <laughs> do you want me to keep going? Mm-hmm. Right. One so, more. Otherwise, if, if we don't get this one, it's a draw. Okay. Okay. This is this is funny. David Beckham took ballet lessons during his time at Manchester United in order to improve his agility. True or false? Chris? <laughs> oh, hold on. Dan. What a ridiculous <laughs> question. I know. Do you not love this curveball? I really enjoy it. <laughs> oh, my right, God. True or false, Chris? What if I fucking lose this this quiz round? A question like this, I'm gonna be fuming. Um, 50-50. I'm gonna. Uh, oh my god! I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it's true. All right, but well, I, I think it's so stupid that it's gonna make you think it's true. So I've gone for false. Oh yeah, Dan's one. Fuck off, Dan. Sorry. <laughs> what a stupid... Who made up that? Honestly, what a ridiculous question. Well, you weren't getting any others, right? Were you? <laughs> I'm going to lodge a formal protest. It seemed too stupid to be true. Well, that was a, that was a really boring end for me. I'm really disappointed in myself. Chris, I'm so sorry. I mean, that was a really... I mean, to think that David Beckham was taking ballet lessons was stupid, but can we just take a moment to appreciate that Dan thought that Liverpool won the Premier League in 92? <laughs> <laughs> that was stupid. <laughs> I don't think outside the box. I felt... I uh, thought way too far outside the box. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, this episode of uh, The Kickabout has dragged on an awful lot longer than we anticipated. <laughs> um, so apologies for our horrendous um, quiz knowledge. Um, that makes it now 6-3 to Dan, so his three-point uh, advantage is restored, so I've got some work to do. <laughs> Excuse me, but uh, anyway, thank you very much, for everyone, for listening. Um, next week will be the last Skype with a bit of luck. Um, And then on our first recording back, we will have details of our Christmas giveaway and also our Christmas uh, plans for our podcast to um, go and and try and cover the ridiculous amounts of uh, football that's played over Christmas this year. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, Dan and Fran, thank you very much for tonight. And we'll see you you all next week. Bye. Bye.